0: It's just to be more present mm. um, and to be more in the moment and saying, okay, rather than just letting this move, keep moving forward, keep moving forward and keep doing the same kind of things, it's just to do to take a step back and just be present in the moment and really mm. kind of check in with where you are, check in with your thoughts, checking with your feelings, how are you feeling physically? So everything that we think we generally have an emotional response and you're gonna have a physical Action that comes alongside that as well. So, mm. being present, being mindful, um, acknowledging where you are, what space you're in, um, is great. It's great for your mindset anyway,
1: mm.
0: um, because it just switches off uh, a lot of chemicals that might be running around in your body and uh, replaces them with some more calming, relaxing chemicals. So, it can bring your state down into a a nice space there anyway Mm. Um, but yeah just being taking that time out to be more present hi i'm john kenny the relationship guy and you're listening to the traveling optimist podcast with steve odie
1: welcome everybody to the latest show of the traveling optimist podcast today we're going to explore the beautiful world of relationships now our relationships with everyone in our life has a profound effect on our well-being it's no secret that over the last 18 months or so, some of our relationships have been understandably strained. Sadly, some have not been able to recover, but some have thrived and grown from a newfound connection. But what's the secret to having incredible relationships? What's the secret to having intimate relationships? I think everyone will have their own answers to these questions. But cue my latest guest on the Travelling Optimist podcast, John Kenny, the relationship guy. If I were to describe John in a short sentence, I'd say that he's calm, he's balanced and he has an energy and light that belies an emotionally destructive past that he endured for a large chunk of his life. I really enjoyed my conversation with John. Uh, We flow into John's past to find themes of self-sabotage that, from the outside looking in, crippled a young and talented athlete hampered a young man who kept attracting similarly destructive people into his life. But John doesn't have any regrets and some of the myriad reasons why so many people are turning to him to help rediscover their relationship mojo is in part due to him mastering the art of forgiveness and acceptance of himself. So this is me and the relationship guy John Kenny talking about life as a budding GB sprint star his journey and experiences and how he uses these learnings to help others who find themselves in similar positions. But ultimately, this is a conversation with a guy who has found his lane. It's the lane that has led him to a much higher purpose. A lane where he puts his metaphorical GB sprint vest on every morning and is now embarking on a race with no finish line. A race to change the world, one relationship at a time. Oh, and he loves 80s music too. Okay, let's go. Today's guest is John Kenny, the Relationship Guy. Welcome to the Home of Optimism, John. How are you?
0: It's very good to be in the House of Optimism, I must say. It's a marvellous <laughs> place to be. <laughs> I'm
1: the Optimism Guy, your Relationship Guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Brilliant. I think they're all automatically entwined anyway, aren't they? You know, relationships are always optimistic, aren't
0: they? You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You go into them, I think, optimistically. Yes. um, But they might not always turn out to be uh, the optimistic side that you had on ideas you had for them.
1: Absolutely. But this is why you're around. You're you're, you're around so that you can help people with that
0: yes definitely i I do i help people to create healthy intimate relationships um specifically working with professional women and that is what i try and help them to do at the end of the kind coaching time that we spend together is put them in the right mindset um in order to bring the right type of relationship towards them so Mm. that they can be optimistic about their relationship future
1: yeah no absolutely well i think also it's quite a it's quite an interesting subject, a bit or a business to have because it's a very. Um, I would imagine your your skills are quite sought after. Put it that way. I think uh, there's a lot of people
0: looking for advice at the moment. Definitely, um, most a lot of the calls I'm having at the moment are people just generally looking for some relationship advice. Mm. So there is a lot of people that are a little bit lost in their spaces, relationships at the moment, especially after the eighteen months that we've had with the pandemic and stuff and you know, re-evaluating their space of being single um, in a lot of cases or trying to understand their kind of relationship patterns and how they found themselves in the situations that they have done in the past, and it's given people a lot of reflective time. Mm. So I think there's plenty of people that are wanting some answers at the moment.
1: Yeah, well, COVID sort of dragged up quite a lot of stuff, hasn't it? I, you know, it, unintentionally, I, you know, I think. But I would imagine relationships have been strained over the last 18 months haven't they i mean i've personally found that it's it's always it's been difficult and particularly if you've got particularly well couples that are working from home that have never worked from home before was one sort of side to it but i would imagine if you're um you know a single person as an executive you know in business and stuff and you're single i would imagine that it's been it's been tough have you found that uh,
0: that's kind of where i changed changed my niche last year so after the first lockdown from June 2020 um, I was working predominantly with people that were in an unhealthy relationship space so my own personal background is to have pretty disastrous and destructive relationships I've learned over the years how to manage those really well um, mostly with intimate relationships but you know where all this comes from sorting out family stuff as well and then after the first lockdown, I had quite a lot of conversations with people that had been on their own for those three months and didn't really know why. They couldn't underst- they, they wanted to understand why they'd never been able to find the right type of person for them to have this long-term sort of connected relationship with. And there are various reasons behind that. But um, That's when I thought, you know what, it'd be much healthier space for me as much as anybody else if I can help people to... Break that cycle or to understand that space that they're in and why they've never been able to find that relationship but help them to create that healthy relationship space before they actually get into the relationship and then have to try and manage it and deal with it and and come out of it again um so yeah that's that's kind of where I got my idea from to to change the people that I was working with because I was speaking to a lot of people that needed that space and that help
1: yeah and and so that's been over the last year that you've done that, is it? Yeah. So since June of 2020, really, after
0: the first lockdown, when people were coming out. Before that, I've been a relationship coach for four years, specifically relationships. Um, but like I said, I was more helping people that were already in relationships of one way, shape or form, and were struggling to manage the unhealthy and toxic cognitive environment that they were in or the relationships that they were in um, if they weren't sort of living together. Um, And that comes from my therapy background. So originally I'm a therapist, a counsellor. So I got used to working with people in lots of difficult situations and kind of evolved my career around my own life. Um, So I moved away from having those toxic relationships and then started to help people to manage those in a different space. And then... um, was then separated from my wife. So I was then single looking for um, how do I create a healthy relationship? And then, like I said, I was getting a lot of inquiries from people coming in saying uh, or conversations I was having as well with people saying, look, I don't understand why I'm single. Why was I why have I got to this point in my life really that I've never found the right type of person? and it kind of then it matched with where I where I just got to in my life and I was kind of formulating a way that how do I bring healthy intimate relationships towards me and then it just organically then went into well actually this is a really good space for me to be in and I'm going to help people to do the same
1: yeah awesome have you found that um things like I, don't, I mean I don't know if you do this or whether it's part of the part of your your uh strategy is law of attraction Mm -hmm. i remember reading about this many years ago and you know and and is that part of where is that part of it that people are um i mean i'm sure there are a lot of deeper issues where people are single and they don't know why and and things which Mm -hmm. obviously um is is understandable but i is that does that play a part in 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 your strategy in turn terms of getting people to sort of look at things a bit differently is that how it works
0: yeah definitely so i don't don't know it depends how you look at the law of attraction i mean i have my own take on it um some people just say if i just put this out in the universe it will provide and you know it depends you know and i'll just sit here and wait for it all to turn up but um it's um it's what you generally what you put out is what you receive yeah so if i am putting out um so for, I'll, I'll give myself as an example, because it's an easier one to use. If my my, my, my belief was that relationships are uh, unhealthy, love is unreliable, um, connection is unsafe. Um, and I carried all these sort of beliefs as well, as far as I don't have a really good relationship with myself. So what do I deserve? So my brain, my mindset was that relationships are an unhealthy space. So that's the energy. That was the message I kept putting out into the universe. And that's what I kept receiving. So, I was playing out what I thought relationships were. And that was my normal. And it's only when I understood where all that came from and why I had a certain amount of sort of set of beliefs and why I didn't have this particularly great relationship with me that I was able to shift that into a completely new space. And now I put out a completely different energy, a completely different message as far as what I want from a relationship, what I'm prepared to give in a relationship, what I deserve in a relationship. Mm. And that brings much healthier relationships into my
1: life. Yeah. So does that mean? So, and, and obviously, part of the podcast that we, you know, and your uh, our conversation um today is, you know, mm. getting to know a little bit more about you and your backstory. Mm. And you kind of intimated a little bit about it uh, there. But you, what? What? How? You know, going back a bit further, what? What's your sort of your background? And uh, you know, what was what was life like? You know, for, for you before you became Um, became a therapist Mm. so um, I
0: grew up and my parents did you know I don't have any animosity or any any bad feeling towards my parents they did the best job they could do as a parent based on the spaces that they were in as human beings yeah when I was a kid unfortunately they did have a few issues that they hadn't resolved for themselves so therefore that led me to creating certain beliefs about myself which were that i wasn't lovable that i you know that i wasn't worth um time i didn't have a voice uh, nothing was ever on my terms and i couldn't be myself there are a lot of messages that i internalized so mm. and not and again this is the interesting thing about this type of thing it doesn't necessarily matter what you went through it matters how you perceive what you went through and how your mind, your brain decided to deal with your your own personal circumstances. Now, the beliefs that I created based on my own upbringing were very negative. I didn't have have any real positive uh, beliefs about life and myself. Um, I was always really willing to try stuff. But in the back of my mind, I was always expecting it to fail. Um, So when I left school, I just took up athletics. So I ran for Great Britain when I was in my late teens and early 20s as a sprinter and even though I was really good at it I wasn't in my own mind I wasn't I didn't believe in myself enough to kind of push it to my fullest potential and every time I was running really well I would self-sabotage so I'd start dating and get distracted or I'd go clubbing and get drunk a lot or uh, I'd manifest an injury of some kind um even so to much that I'd be going down on my block sometimes and you know you're really supposed to be focused on your race and in the zone I'd be singing songs in my head because I was just you know I wasn't allowing myself to uh do well um so mm-hmm. even as far as that was concerned and, and alongside that I was having these relationships which are very toxic and quite abusive and reliving what I believed about
1: life so forgive um, so, me Why? Why did you have those beliefs? What was going on? So, in my mind, I
0: I had I had an awful relationship with me. I didn't think I was a very nice person. I didn't, like I said, I didn't think I was very lovable. I didn't think people had time for me. Uh, And there must have been reasons for that as a child. So, when we grow up, we look at our parents to give us whatever we need to make us feel safe, secure, loved, cared about, and everything like that. Um, When that doesn't come. Uh, we can't look at our parents and say, well, oh, this is all your fault. This is, this is your responsibility. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm, you know, I'm a great kid. You know, I'm, you know. What we do is go, okay, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. Because for two reasons is we don't have the cognitive function really as kids to be able to, to kind of dis, you know, distinguish between the two. And also we're, we are, we're in survival mode when we're up to sort of seven or eight years of age. And our brain cannot look at our parents in a detrimental way because they're responsible for our survival and our safety. So it would be inconceivable for our brain to admit that actually this person's got a problem here, it's got nothing to do with me, because that would make us feel too unsafe.
1: Yeah.
0: So we have a tendency to then internalise all those messages. Some people internalise it and go, they get to a certain age and go, no, not my problem. I'm all got right. going to move on. And they're able to develop that kind of sense of self Maybe they've had a positive role model from somewhere else. Um, Maybe they've just kind of decided for themselves, they don't do this rubbish anymore and they're going to move on. I wasn't one of those people. I was one of those people that took everything on board and very highly sensitive and, um, you know, was very um, negative about who I was as a person, no matter what attention I got, no matter what other people said, It wouldn't it would it would be okay. It it would be a lip service Um, in counseling terms. It's called an external locus of evaluation. So I evaluated myself entirely by what went on outside of me. So if there was nothing positive going on, I'd feel very deflated and and useless. And even when there were positive things going on, I couldn't I couldn't evaluate myself positively enough to allow that to keep happening. Yeah. So then I would do something to ruin anything good that was in my life because I had a, a very negative self-view, and it was it was over time, and it's only it's taken me many many years of being in the personal development
1: field to kind of put put a right to that. But interestingly, though, you managed to find something that you were really good at:
0: sprinting. Mm. Yep,
1: and. I mean, you'd know you, you, to get to being running for GBR, it's, mm. quite, it's quite an achievement, isn't it? So I'm, I'm fascinated to learn to sort of find out how you got through that. How you, how, you know, if you've got all of these, I, I wouldn't say demons, but you've, you know, you've got these, these things mm. going on in your background that you, you know, and self sabotage and so on. But you're a really good, you're a really good runner. Yeah. My, my natural ability got me so far
0: but it was my inability to push myself too hard. I mean, I obviously I trained six or seven times a week, so it's not like I didn't put the, put the hard graft in, No, but when it, when it came to the crunch, so if I was running, like I said, if I was running really, really well in training, that would never really come out onto the track. I mean, I could have run so much faster.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, and I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't that bad. I was running for the country. So, you know, I was pretty quick. I ran 10.4 for 100 meters. I mean, that's good going, right? <laughs> but at the time, I couldn't see that. I couldn't acknowledge. In the moment, maybe I thought, wow, that's amazing. But I wasn't able then to take that, you know, really engage with it and and take it forward Um because I was a massive self-sabotager. Everything that I, the good that came into my life, I would do something that my my mind was saying actually you don't deserve this this isn't normal um if there's no destructiveness or possibility of this failing how can you make this fail how can you destroy this yourself um so i was making my beliefs true within my mind all the time yeah you know i'd run if i turn up to a race and it was wet windy and everything was horrible i'd run a fantastic time So, yeah, I remember running a a 200 meters once and it was into a minus five wind or something. It was actually atrocious and it was windy and rainy and everything. And I think I ran about 21.5, you know, which is not a shattering time, but in those conditions was pretty decent. Yeah. And then I had the following week, I had a following wind of 1.8, which is just below the legal limit. It was cutting across the bend just perfectly to take me basically all the way around the track. And I ran 21.3 and it and and because in when it was wet and windy i didn't expect anything of myself so i just relaxed around the race and around really well but Mm. when it came to oh, this is perfect conditions you could run a really good time here my mind just went to pieces um and that's the kind of thing i did and again it, it that's kind of bled out into every area of my life
1: yeah what were the highlights of your sprinting career then um i think
0: obviously running for the country for the first time as a junior going to the european junior championships was amazing um getting my first gb senior vest as well i ran in finland um, and then i went to israel um and and, you know it was just you know having that just being having a vest on having a gb vest on was just fantastic yeah um yeah that feeling when you especially when you get your first kit and stuff it's just like awesome But again, now I look back on it with pride and have fondness and everything else. And at the time, didn't really engage with anything positive about it at all. You know, I'm sure that in the moment I was okay. When I look back, I really didn't relish it as much as I could have done.
1: It's weird, isn't it? Because you you probably don't realise this. But, you know, I was probably watching you run and I was thinking, well, that guy's amazing. Yeah, I was actually sitting at a track one day and I was putting my
0: spikes on, and there were two guys sitting in front of me and they went, Oh, I heard John Kenny's racing today. They had no idea where I was, but I was sitting right behind them. But my name obviously preceded me, but it was that was that was quite, I was quite chuffed with that at the time. Yeah, um, yeah that's awesome. Yeah. awesome. Yeah, we just don't
1: realize um, that, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. And, uh, mm. and I guess nowadays athletes, they probably have a a better support network would you say or is or was that available to you but you just didn't use it um
0: I and I was a completely naive as an athlete I think there were no national lottery grants and stuff when I was running and I'm sure that would have been useful because I was working a a nine to five job um at the time so I was getting up at at half six in the morning going to work nine to Mm -hmm. five and then going off to do my training at seven half seven of an evening finish at half nine Mm -hmm. ten o'clock and I was doing that five days a week. Mm. Um, it wasn't really conducive to uh, kind of getting the best out of you anyway. But, um, yeah, I mean, I probably could have changed coaches. I could have joined, gone to a different group, perhaps. I think lack of belief um, stopped me because I there was quite a big sprint group over at Haringey, which wasn't far from where I grew up mm. um, at the time, where John Reed used to train and uh, Tammy Jarrett and a few other kind of top international athletes um, and i did have the opportunity to go and train with them a few times and i, and I didn't do it um, and they you know i was offered a scholarship to iowa as well university and i didn't take that uh, so is that because you know, you did,
1: because of your lack of belief
0: yeah i think so it was just it was just would have taken me out of my comfort zone at the mm. time mm. Um, you know I'd, i couldn't face failure so i think to take to take up an opportunity which could have proved me to be better than I thought I was
1: mm.
0: and that fear of not maybe seeing that through or not allowing that for myself I think that massively held me back mm. Um because there were opportunities I could have taken which I chose not to.
1: Hindsight's a wonderful thing isn't
0: it? Yeah yeah I could, <laughs> I could have been running in the States on the collegiate kind of you know where you know I've spoken to a few athletes and they said that was kind of the making of them as far as Certain aspects of their career was concerned, but other way and other people have said it, it burnt them out yeah. before they were twenty one so you know it's but it would have been an experience and I could have trained with some top coaches and 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 uh who knows but you know my mindset at the time wouldn't allow wouldn't allow me to to say yes to those opportunities
1: no and so what happened after you you your your international sprinting career um finished what did you what did you do
0: yes so i had no no idea what i wanted to do with my life before that and i had no idea what to do with my life after that um it was just a very fortunate thing that uh, i took the opportunity to go down to a crack one evening and um someone said we need you to run a race for us and it turned out i was really fast and that kind of took my whole focus for nearly 10 years and then when i left athletics i had no idea what to do Uh, i was working as an insurance underwriter Um, and I thought I don't know what to do myself and then I went off to Australia for the first time and I thought I want to live in Australia so I came back from uh, Australia when I was about 27 and I thought how do I get to live there I need to get a profession that they'll accept so I tried teaching so I packed my bags up and sold my flat and went off to university to (laughs) train to be a teacher um, and really didn't like teaching so (laughs) that was not a great decision uh, but in that year that I was there, I actually did an introduction to counselling course, um, which a few years later became the spark and interest that got me onto the path where I am now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I went from that to being a PT. Um, I got a job working in the university gym while I was there, and then my friend worked for a, a ledger company, and they got me in there, and I then mean, I did some PT and became a gym manager um and then my brother told me. my brother would join the Essex fire brigade at at that point and he said oh did you know you can go to Australia as a firefighter so I thought great I'll do that so then I applied for the fire brigade and ended up joining the London fire brigade for 12 and a half years um because when I got into the fire brigade they changed the rules in Australia to say that you couldn't join the fire brigade unless you (laughs) lived
1: there (laughs) (laughs) Damn! (laughs) everything else um, for a reason
0: exactly exactly so um I thought what do I do with myself now I've joined you know I've joined the, oh, well, I'll just give the fire brigade a go it's a career um not my type of career again very sensitive little soul that I was when I went into the fire brigade when I was about 30 and um you know I nearly left several times because of the bullying and what I perceived as bullying and and not being able to kind of cope with all the jokes and uh the egos and stuff that were going on at the time and um really wanted to leave luckily enough before I decided to do that I actually went into therapy for myself because I knew there were struggles that I was actually having and that kind of then got me back interested in the counseling that I'd done some training at when I was at uni mm. and I thought you know what this could be a good career option so I decided to have a go at that and went to college and and did a four-year course and got my diploma in the, in therapy um as a counselor and um when I left college, there were not many jobs out there. So uh, a, a lady that was on my training calls with me, we decided to up our own, open up our own counselling agency. And I became kind of self-employed for the first time. And after a few years, I then got a job working for the NHS as a therapist right. and decided to leave the fire service at that time. And, um, and in 2016, after I had a... Uh, a few sessions with a coach actually in 2012 mm. um, that kind of really got me infused about coaching because I knew with the therapy that I could understand my background and where I came from but I wasn't putting the story together there wasn't there wasn't anybody in the therapy that kind of showed me this is what you're doing this is why you're doing it why are you still doing it yeah, um, yeah. and do you know you can change it and I didn't really know that And then my own journey into coaching started. I did a a diploma in in coaching. And then in 2016, uh, the John Kenny coaching started. uh, I left the NHS, put the kind of counselling to one side and just focused on coaching and then niched in relationships. Yeah. Because of my own history of
1: uh, disasters (laughs) along the way,
0: (laughs) which is probably another show entirely.
1: (laughs) So let me just get this straight you've you you have a very successful track athletics career well, mm-hmm. you know no no doubt about it um limiting self-beliefs just, just caused a little bit of quite a lot of self-destruction and mm. you got offered various other things but you were very happy in your comfort zone yeah but then you you you, out of that you you join the fire brigade which is mm. completely i mean that that would, i'd be out of my comfort zone i've got to be honest if i was doing that but yeah. you know it's not an environment that i i would i mean i i would probably enjoy it but you know i i'd still have limiting beliefs about the fact that i'd be able to do the job mm-hmm. and then you go to university and, and and learn something something new and and so It's very strange. Was there a sort of something that sort of clicked in your mind and said, no, I've got to really go for this. I've got to do this. I can't hang on now. No, not really. Like I said, I
0: always want to give it a go, but I don't really expect much of it. Right. And I think, again, when I got into the fire, I went to university. I think the first year dropped out. Um, I went in the fire brigade after two years wanting to leave. You know, probably even before that, wanting to leave. There was always... But there was a reason for doing those things. There was an end goal there. And even though I probably knew subconsciously now that I was never going to get there, because I was even offered a job as a therapist in uh, in Australia.
1: Yeah,
0: And, yeah. Um, you know, then they, then they changed the rules in Australia. And then all of a sudden, there were loads of out-of-work therapists. And the person offered me the job said, I have to offer the job to an Australian now because there's loads of out-of-work therapists. So I'm going to have to withdraw my offer. And I was like, great, thanks very much. But it was like, it's this kind of never-ending story that I went through of uh, not really, I never really expected to get there, but I always had that optimism, which goes well with the podcast. I was always willing to give it a go because I had an idea about what I wanted and I was prepared to put everything into it to try and get to where I wanted to get to. Yeah, But the choices that I'd made were never going to get me to the space I wanted to be in. Um, yeah. So although I went into it very optimistically, and this is where I want to get to, subconsciously I was ruining any chance of me actually being able to make that happen.
1: Right. So, so yes, was that the where was the breakthrough for that then? Where did you did somebody did you, was it this coaching um, the coach that you had in 2012? Did they kind of highlight the the areas and some strategies that you can you could work on yeah so
0: basically the, their line was you know you know you, you know you, you help all these people with their lives with your therapy why is your life still shit uh why are you still unhappy? why are you still miserable why are you still doing this to yourself and that question i would never really asked myself before i didn't take responsibility for why this was happening mm. um i was always the victim in a way, you know, oh, woe is me, this has happened again. Um, but I didn't know it was what part I played, what role it was mine in that. And I think the coaching turned me onto that idea. And then really, it's only been since I wrote my book, which was three years ago, that exploring myself, you know, because the first half of my book, um, so it's called The People Program and it's about overcoming blocks to success. Mm. The first half is is me analyzing my life story as why I developed my sense of self the way that I did, why I self sabotage the way that I did, and it was only really sitting there, really kind of focusing on myself for you know a full six months or so of exploring my own life that I thought, ah, oh, I can see why this has happened. I I kind of knew the theory behind it, but then actually thinking through the process of what I've been through, um, I thought I can see I can see why this is happening and why I've made the choices I've made and, and I could really understand my own core beliefs. I think understanding core beliefs was a massive step for me because I was aiming to fulfill a belief system that I held all the time. And I didn't realize how powerful beliefs were at that point. It was nothing that we'd ever touched on really in therapy. It was all a coaching idea. um, And I learned that during my kind of coaching training. And then I did a hypnotherapy diploma, um, which really helped and then I did an NLP practitioner so I've added skills all the time and they've reinforced um, you know this difficult relationship that I was having with myself and I've really had to look at me Mm. to understand what I was doing that was bringing all of this stuff towards me and wasn't bringing the stuff I really wanted and that's, that's the journey I've been on the last 15 years or so 17 years or so and um, and that's now how I help my clients because I've been through it. I've done the journey. <laughs> I can help you do this in a much shorter time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Is that one of the key components to it in terms of, you know, getting people to reflect on on how they view themselves?
0: Yeah, massively. If your relationship with you isn't quite right, then that will dictate all your other relationships that you have. Mm. Um, so if you have an unhealthy relationship with yourself, it's very, very unlikely that you're going to attract healthy relationships
1: towards it. So it like attracts like kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it's what you're used to, it's what you believe in. Um, it's what you deserve. You know, if you're giving off a certain energy, um, people will be attracted to that energy. So if you're giving off a sense of unworthiness, you'll find people that would want to take maybe advantage of your unworthiness or they're attracted to the fact that you don't you're not very positive about yourself and they're gonna to wanna to care about you and people please you and you know, it yeah, it can have lots of different connotations: codependent relationships, narcissistic relationships, whatever it might be that can come out of that. Mm. Um, so you just need to be really mindful of what, how you are with you, and and then what you're then allowing yourself to put up with, attract whatever it is into your life.
1: Yeah. So when did you sort of? When did it sort of come to you that you were in? toxic relationships and what sort of things were you going through during that you know those times yeah
0: so I was choosing relationships where I would never feel good enough because I didn't feel good enough for anybody mm-hmm. so I would always choose relationships which were kind of abusive in some way that no matter what I did it was never good enough for them they would always be able to find fault in me and anything that I really did because that fulfilled my idea of who I was, but actually of what relationships were as well, because that's what I experienced as a child to a a high degree. Um, So that would end up with me feeling all hard done by at the end of it. When it finished one way or the other, they probably they'd either cheat on me or I would uh, or we'd end up having like massive rows and it would just get very toxic and, and unhealthy. Uh, If I attracted nice people into my life, I didn't know what to do with it. So then I'd be the one that did the cheating or I would be the one that pushed them away. I'd do something to try and destroy that relationship because I didn't know how to be in a healthy space. Mm. Um, And I didn't know I was doing any of that until um, probably seven or eight years ago. Mm. Um, And again, it was through the coaching, the therapy therapy. Uh, but more, the coaching was helping me, helping me to open my eyes to what I was actually doing to bring this stuff into my life, and especially around the relationships. Yeah. Um, and then I massively made <laughs> made a massive change and moved away from those destructive relationships, and not meeting the lady I ended up getting married to. But what what I'd done at that point was I'd put the abuse to one side. So if I think about the relationships I'd had. A lot of my relationships resembled my relationship with my dad. So my dad had quite a bad temper. Um, again, I didn't feel good enough for him. No matter what I did, I didn't really feel like he loved me. And so that would be a lot of the people that I dated. Mm-hmm. When I met my wife, I put all that stuff to one side, but then I realized I married my mom instead. So my mum is quite closed emotionally. Um I know that she loves me, but she finds it difficult showing it. So she, she kind of backs off if she gets too close and you know, she's you know, she's uh, she's very much like I was an avoidant type personality. Um, because when I was in relationships, I didn't really know how to connect with people at a deeper level because I never learned how to do it. So when I'd start to have feelings for somebody, I'd get quite scared subconsciously and I'd want to avoid intimacy and connection.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. and that's the kind of person that I married someone that was very much the same as me we were very happy in our own space but whenever we tried to get too close together something would repel us from being able to do that mm. because we weren't used to being close enough for someone to sustain a, a long-term connection as I started to change and I thought I want to be in a relationship where now I can deeply connect with somebody because I've never allowed myself to do it before um, but unfortunately uh, when I, with the person I was married to, they weren't able, they weren't in the same space as me. They weren't ready for the changes that I wanted. So we ended up amicably separating, um, because we both, I wanted a lot more. And I think, you know, she could have had a lot more as well if, um, if that's what she wants moving forward. Um, But that's what I wanted. I thought, you know, I'm ready to actually have a different type of relationship. I know exactly what I want from somebody now. And I know exactly how much I want to give to somebody at the same time and be completely comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so that is where I got to last year. Uh, And again, that's when I thought, actually, that's what I want to help people to do as well. Because if I can help them to stop getting into these toxic and unhealthy relationship spaces in the first place... It's um it will save so much time, energy and and pain. Mm. Um, and now I know exactly how to do that for myself and obviously through the training and the work that I was doing with my clients. I was figuring this out as I was going along. But actually, I know exactly how to make this happen now. Mm. Law of attraction being one of those things, but understanding beliefs, attachment, attraction styles, um, lots of do you know, there's lots of little things that all feed into bringing the the right type of relationship towards you
1: yeah so with your clients what is, is there sort of I, I would imagine this is going to sound a bit daft but is there sort of an atypical kind of scenario that you you know you you've constantly come up against and you that that you people come to you f, you know for help with yeah
0: i think there's there is uh there is a proper there is an, an end scenario there's an end game that people have generally experienced relationships over and over again that end up in a very similar space. And that is one where they end up on their own and they don't know, really understand why they're on their own. They just know that the relationship's gone wrong again. Mm-hmm. They don't really know why it's gone wrong again. Um, and there could be a, a several reasons why that might be the case, um, depending on what kind of mindset that person's carrying
1: um
0: but generally there is they've got to a point where they think i don't want to do this anymore i can't do this anymore i need to change this yeah i want something different moving forward and that's when they reach out to me and say i see the kind of what you're doing i know you help people do this and i want to know i want to know why i'm doing it yeah um and i want to know how to stop that and i want to know how to bring that the person into my life that i'm really looking for
1: yeah how crucial is timing with all of this? Because obviously, the the I mean, you know, I've fallen into the trap where I've said, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this and get my get this thing whatever it was sorted." But actually, mm-hmm. do you know what? It was all, the time wasn't right because I, I wasn't able to commit. I, you know, do you find that time has got to be right and people have got to to be in a position where they can commit to? Yeah, I think so. Say? Especially
0: with when it's something like a, a a deeper, meaningful relationship. I think there's so many um, there are so many resistance factors to yeah. it. Uh, so, resistance factors are the things that will stop us engaging in the process. Hmm. Uh, so, there are so many kind of subconscious processes we could be carrying that will stop us allowing these types of th- things to change.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. The, 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 it, generally, there needs to reach a certain pain point where it's you're motivated to make a difference to your own life. I think uh, Tony Robbins says your motivation to change needs to be more powerful than your motivation to stay the same.
1: Yes. And yes. then
0: you are able to do the things that you need to do in order to change the life, your life and live the one that you want.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So is there any sort of pieces of advice that, you know, without, <laughs> <'cause> I, know, <laughs> I don't want you to, this to be a, and it's not for me, but I'm just thinking for listeners, is there sort of anything yeah. advice wise you can, you'd like to sort of give anybody?
0: Yeah, I think what, I, what the, the biggest step for me was actually just owning, owning it really, and taking responsibility and understanding what I was doing. Um, so I think the first, before you can actually really analyze anybody else, you need to analyze yourself. Mm. Uh, and if you're not doing anything and it's still, it's still not working for you, then I would suggest that you are doing something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and the great thing about understanding yourself is it gives you a greater understanding of everybody else. Because if you can understand the things that make you tick and trigger you and put you in certain spaces in your own headspace, then you can look at other people and you can go, oh, do you know what? I know I do this because of that reason. So I wonder why they do that.
1: Mm.
0: And again, that stops you taking things personally. I think is a massive step forward in in your life if you can take a step back from what other people are doing Mm. and say, okay, why might they be doing that? Mm. If you know why you do your stuff, or why you did your stuff in the past, um, then you can look at someone else and go, oh, I can actually see, you know, there'll be a reason for that. Um, yeah. Whether whether you care enough or need to know what their reason is, is depending on the relationship. But um, if you have a great and a good understanding of, of yourself, then you can have a massively more coherent idea about what's going on for everybody else. Yeah.
1: Is there a is there a question that some you know we should all be asking ourselves about things like that um
0: apart from why I <laughs> think that's the massive place to be curious I think it's just to be curious about what's going on for you hmm. you know we, we most of us don't we don't stop to ask ourselves a question you I know mean, we're not curious about our behavior not we're curious about why these things are going on we we, we don't have that curiosity um, we just go through life living life and doing what life is all about um, yeah. without taking a breath and a step back and going okay I and mean, you know i want to understand this mm. i want to understand what's really going on here so yeah i think that's the question i would ask is what's going on be curious
1: how can we encourage people to be more curious and do you think i think it's just about
0: stopping you know i mean i know meditation and mindfulness are quite buzzwords and stuff at the moment, but I think they play an important role in whichever way you choose to use those. It's just to be more present Mm. um, and to be more in the moment and saying, okay, rather than just letting this move, keep moving forward, keep moving forward and keep doing the same types of things. It's just to be to take a step back and just be present in the moment and really Mm. kind of check in with where you are checking with your thoughts, checking with your feelings how are you feeling physically? So everything that we think we generally have an emotional response, and you're going to have a physical action that comes alongside that as well. So mm. being present, being mindful, um, acknowledging where you are, what space you're in, um, is great. It's great for your mindset anyway, mm. um, because it just switches off uh, a lot of chemicals that might be running around in your body, um, replaces them with some more calming, relaxing chemicals. So it can bring your state down into a, a nice space there anyway. Mm. Um, but yeah, just being, taking that time out to be more present. Do you think? Because that'll bring you, that'll bring that understanding that you're looking for. Cause if you're not asking the question, you're not being curious, you're not going to understand what's, what this is all about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great point actually. And uh, but I, I think that um, I've been guilty in the past of, thinking oh yeah i can't do that because i've got a you know that's an hour out of my out of the day but actually you don't need that you just need a couple of minutes don't you to be able to change mm-hmm. your state just like that you you know yeah. it might it might just be i mean you know I'm cards on table every morning i listen to certain songs that i know um invoke really really great feelings within mm-hmm. me you know just mm-hmm. if it's sort of remembering you know certain things events in in my life that were great and stuff like that so it sets you yep. up for the day properly doesn't it is is that the kind of thing you're talking about
0: yeah definitely so use anything that you that you can I mean again I'm I, know if I, I go in the gym if I go in the gym and there's no dance music on then I'm I know that my performance in the gym will not be as good as what it could be <laughs> So you know, I have I have very loud music in my earphones all the time, uh, and and it motivates me. It gets yeah. me into the good, gets me into my workout mindset.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, where I know I'm going to put in a good a good session. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's all what works for you. It's starting off with affirmations in the morning, maybe gratitude, uh, like you said, listening to some music which evokes this. A pleasant experience or with me i'll get my blood pumping around my system and it'll give me some energy to kind of yeah. engage in a day yeah. uh, some people jump out of bed and just say today's a wonderful day and it's going to be awesome and they start off there regardless of how they're feeling they do the same thing every morning and it gets them off into it creates that Some, i know one guy just says if i make my bed i'm great if I haven't made my bed, I'm, in a, I'm not in a good space. Yeah. So I make sure the first thing I do when I go up is make my bed because that creates an illusion, if so, or what it creates, the mindset which tells me I'm in a good space. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there are lots of different things we can try uh, depending on what works for you. Like you said, if you can listen to the music, which gives you that feeling of positivity, brings back a good memory. Again, it's an amazing way to start the day rather than crawling out of bed going, oh, weather's shit and... <laughs> hold and i've got this to do and i've got that to do and i'll go get the kids there and whatever it might be you know you're, yeah. you'll start if you start off in a in a negative headspace generally your day is going to continue that way
1: absolutely that's great i'm interested in to know what well, so tell me about this dance music you're listening to is it is it a, <laughs> is it a particular um decade of of, uh, of music that you're listening to no as long as it's, it's a bit anthemic so then i'm good if it's got a really good beat Yeah. Um,
0: like a bit of trance maybe a bit of euphoria oh get I like you. a bit of um kind of bit of old school kind of 80s punk stuff
1: ah.
0: as well you know as yeah. so long as it you know i have a wide variety of taste in that but it's got to have that uplifting yeah kind yeah. of feeling to me that I can go yeah i'm into this yeah yeah um, absolutely. Um, yeah
1: were you a teenager in the 80s i was a teenager in the 80s Good yes man. yes yeah, <laughs> it was the best decade, wasn't it? It really was. It was an amazing decade. Yeah, I, I feel sorry for people that weren't able to experience the eighties because if, uh, it just—it was just fantastic, you know. And I, all the uh, like music-wise, my two daughters—they're 21-17 seventeen—and they've grown up on eighties music because Maria and I both like rammed it in everything that was on the t- in the car on long journeys, eighties music, yeah. stuff like that. So it's just brilliant. I love it.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. There's many festivals. I went to the Rewind Festival this year, um, which is 80s revival stuff, yeah. which was really, really good. Um, but I think there's about three or four different 80s festivals, and they always seem to be rammed yeah. with people. that just you know, And the people there at the, the, the Rewind where I was there were plenty of younger people that definitely weren't yeah. around yeah. listening yeah. to it
1: in the 80s. My theory on that is because they can understand the lyrics. mm. <laughs> <laughs> i can't understand any lyrics in modern music very clear, that's the thing. yeah yeah exactly exactly also, you can sing I along. Some,
0: yeah i was talking to someone the other day and they were playing this um recent song um and it was all about sex
1: and sexual positions and stuff and i know there were some of that in the 80s i said but no, i was in the 80s it was all about love <laughs> yeah it was all about love or uh, i think that the, the, the uh, most risque song in the 80s was frankie goes to hollywood relax wasn't it it was, yeah. Do, do you remember? Indeed. And I think even yeah. that was, the, I think even the BBC tried to get that banned, the video or something, wasn't it? The Radio 1 banned
0: it for a while. And That's then it. Um, it kind of really took off after that. Yeah.
1: And can you, yeah. and actually, the thing is, if you think about that in the 80s, yeah, it was all, all, all very, all listen to that. It's all very risque. But some of the lyrics on some of these songs nowadays, I know, they're appalling.
0: I know it makes me blush.
1: How do they get away <laughs> with it? I don't understand. Anyway, oh, I could talk about the eighties now. That is a different show. Yeah. Perhaps <laughs> no, we should so. do an, uh, our own podcast yeah. on the eighties. That'd be brilliant. Yeah, um, go back to the eighties. Yeah, mm, that'd be great. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's have a th- change of change of direction a little bit. What are your goals for the future? What are you? What are your plans? Um, so I
0: I want to kind of get the. The world into the healthiest relationships possible. Um, So over the next, however long it takes me to do that, oh, that's that's my main goal is to help people to experience as as much as of a healthy relationship because I think it'll make a massive difference to the world. Yeah. If we can have great relationships with ourselves and start experience great relationships with other people, that'll that'll be something which I think will help tremendously um, with every space. That we're in, um, but uh, will make a massive difference to the world as a whole. I think if we can if we can get on top of this space. Um, so I'm working at the moment with professional women the, to help them to create healthy intimate relationships. Um, I'm going to try and help as many people as possible to, to do that mm. uh, with my workshops, coaching. Uh, and every other bit and piece that I I can put
1: together to put out there. Amazing, I, I love that. And and actually, you're an absolute force for good, John. And you know, I'm, I love it. Well, how how has optimism? I know we touched on it earlier, mm. but how has optimism played a part in your life? What, how can you describe what optimism means to you? Mm.
0: I think, as I, as I said, said earlier on, I've always been someone to give it a go. But I think what's changed is I'm now optimistic that it will work. Um, I have a a positive belief. So Mm. optimism is not just about um, hoping it works, but believing it works. Yeah. And I know now what everything that I've learned over the last 17 years or so, uh, being in personal development, that if I put my mind to it, if I've got the capability to make it happen, then it can happen. Um, Whereas before I didn't have that. I'm not um, one of those people that thinks you can do anything you put your mind to because no matter how good I was at athletics, I never would have run 9.58 like Usain Bolt. So I I also recognise my limitations, but I know if I give it my best shot, I can make the things I want to happen happen in my life.
1: That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, but I mean, comparing yourself to Usain Bolt, I mean, but that's a that's a. T- I mean, I'm not saying it's a two hundred because you're a really good it. sprint. If you can run ten four, that's pretty. I mean, that's out there on hmm. on the excellence. You know, I think it was pretty, it was just it's a very
0: very decent time. Uh, very decent time. I, I would have, I would have thought that if I'd have really believed in myself and done everything that I could have done at the time, I could have got closer to ten seconds. Yeah, uh, I reckon I'd have got down. Although two hundred probably would have been my better event. Um, so I would love to have gone sub twenty, um, but I only just scraped twenty one seconds. So I reckon I could have probably run mid to low twenty points over two hundred if I was, uh, you know, I'd have got down there. But uh, it was just um, it was just me
1: holding me back. Looking back, though, do you, how what do you do? You feel not sadness, but do you feel that you you you've, you're, you've everything's happened for a reason that you've you've everything that you've gone through in your life has got got you to this point and and you're actually okay with that
0: yeah definitely definitely It took like it was only when I kind of shifted that relationship with me that I was actually able to look at back with my with my at my athletics career of any kind of fondness really mm. um so no I don't regret any choices that I've made uh they they like you said I wouldn't you know they happened for a reason. I just need to understand what that reason is, um, and take the take what I can from that. I wouldn't be in the space that I am now, helping the people that I am now, if I hadn't had the child that I had. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, you know, I have to thank uh, thank my parents for teaching me something as a child, which then had led me into helping people now. That is, which I never would have done otherwise. Mm. Um, you know, if I'd have carried on as an athlete, who knows where I'd be. But I'm, I'm very happy. In the space that I found now that I've made for myself, um, I think uh, the purpose, I've discovered what my purpose is. If people believe in having a purpose, um, there's nothing I enjoy more than working with people and then sort of get when they get the point, you know, that kind of goosebumps on the arms type part when they go, oh no, I get that now. I can see what I'm doing or I can see why that's happening and I know I can do this to make it right. Um, and those are kind of real the moments that i wouldn't say i live for but in the in the field of work that i do they are kind of the, the fulfilling spaces
1: have you got an example
0: um yeah so like i, I talked about resistance earlier on uh, i had a I had a client a while ago and um we had some we did that because my, my, my coaching is a three-month coaching program and she left and she was a great space you know we've uncovered a lot of the Trauma and stuff from her past, and why uh, she was in such a state, and why she'd had such a difficult relationship with her ex-husband, and why she really hadn't been able to move on from that for like ten years. And just getting her to move on from that space was amazing. And at the end of the three months, she left and she was ready. She said, "You know what? I really want to go out and find this relationship that I can have now." Uh, and then uh, she was in tears. She came, got back on the phone. And I'm in tears. I'm ruining it all again. I, I uh, this. Uh, I need to come and see you. So we booked in just a one-off session. Um, And she came and she said, I'm doing this now. I'm sabotaging again. I've lost. I said, that's okay. I said, you're just going through the resistance phase. It's just come a bit later than maybe what we wanted it to do. She said, that's not okay. I said, yeah, it's okay. You know exactly what's stopping you now from moving forward, and it's you. You know that there's something going on for you, which is stopping you having what you want. Um, all you need to do now is just keep, go back to what we did you need to just let the resistance go just understand why it's there thank it for trying to protect you again because uh, that's all it's trying to do it's just trying to protect you from getting yourself into a space where you feel you could get hurt um, and then I got a call from her about four months later. I didn't see her again after that four months later she met some guy she was really happy um and she you know she recognized that it was just that resistance part and that she wanted to overcome that again and she just needed a little push in the right direction to to acknowledge what was going on yeah um and it was amazing uh, it was amazing space you know it was amazing like i said that she'd got out of the space that she was in in the first place when we first met but for her then a few months down the line to have allowed herself to have the kind of relationship she wanted um even it was only the beginnings of it and, and as far as i'm aware and i spoke to her about oh i don't know four or five months ago and she was still in it she was still there and she was very happy so i uh, it's 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 a, it was a good job that she did and, and again then the, those are the kind of things that you know make me smile
1: oh that's awesome so rewarding so mm. how can people connect with you john what, what's the best way to get hold of john kenny um,
0: so if you want to say hello, then uh, you can always contact me on social media, John Kenny Coaching. Um, you can listen to my podcast, which is The Relationship Guy, um, which is available on all major platforms. Uh, if you want to send me a message, go to the website, fill our contact form there, www.johnkennycoaching.com uh, or the um now too. You can contact me there. um, And if you're interested in talking more about relationships, understanding where they're going, I'm actually running a series of workshops as well. So um, I'm doing a workshop once a month online, uh, talking about attachment theory, which is one of my great loves because it has so many connotations, so many uh, outreaching arms that can affect so many different areas of your life. It's not just about the relationships, although in the in the workshop i do focus on the relationship outcomes that attachments uh theory has and attachment styles um so if you want to come along to one of those um you can sign up on event Brian to come along every free. just come along and say hello appreciate you there brilliant
1: awesome john thank you so much i'll put all of those details in the show notes for everybody um it's been a it's been a really amazing conversation i'm so grateful for you to come on the show and 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 you know talk about your life and what you've gone through and um i'm i'm so i'm so honored that you've you've shared that with 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 us me and and the audience and uh i, I can't thank you enough mate thank you
0: no, you're very very welcome thanks for having me on as a guest it's been a pleasure and, and like you said a great conversation
1: oh no it's been brilliant thanks buddy take care Thank you for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did chatting with John. Uh, I couldn't do this without you. I really appreciate you listening. And obviously the most impactful way to support the show is to download it and recommend it to your friends and family. And if you do that, that will be amazing. Thank you so much. I will put John's contact details on the show notes and please reach out to him, even if it's just to reminisce about your favourite 80s band. Take care and have fun, everyone.